1: Ryan, let's move into the matchup of Notre Dame and Navy. Today we are going to focus on the stacking up matchup and we're going to spend more time on certain matchups, a little less time on others with this unique, very unique Navy team. And I'll tell you what, there's some very interesting numbers for Navy when you look at their football team in some areas where you're like, "Wow, they're a lot better than you thought they would be." And some other areas where you're like, "Yeah, they're they're not very good there." So, that's uh, a very, very interesting season for Navy, Ryan. I think when you look at them, uh, they're a team that their season started off really bad. They obviously lost at home to Delaware to start the season. They got blown out by Memphis. And then the next week, they earned a really good victory over East Carolina on the road. East Carolina is currently 6-3 and three and has a three-game win streak over Memphis. They beat UCF, who's in the top 25, by 21. And then they went on the road and beat Brigham Young. They also yep. have a twenty-point victory over South Florida and an eighteen-point victory over Old Dominion and only lost to NC State by one. Mm-hmm. Navy had a larger margin, a larger margin of victory over East Carolina than NC State did, who's currently a top twenty football team. So, and then of course, what does Navy do the next week? They go out and lose to Air Force. Lose, you know, they end up losing three of their next four. They have a blowout win over Tulsa in the middle of that, which is weird. An ugly win over Temple, and they're coming off a competitive but 10-point loss to Cincinnati. They're just not the same team they used to be. They're not the same team they were from like 15 to 17, 18 when they were competing for the AAC crown. They're just not that team. But I will say this. They're still dangerous. They're much better running the triple option, and we'll dive into the specifics of the triple option tomorrow in a show that I'm going to be doing with Jesse Styers. We'll dive into the specifics of what they're doing uh, tomorrow, Ryan, uh, so they're 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 still a rushing team, but they're they're just not what they were in the past. But I will say this: they look a lot more like the defense that we saw during that stretch when they were pretty good than they have been the last couple of years. So that's what makes this a very intriguing game. Notre Dame, it's kickoff at noon on Saturday. It's going to be at. Uh, M, what's it? M and T Bank Field, correct? Mm-hmm. Is that what yes. it is in Baltimore where the Ravens play? I've actually yep. played in that on that field, Ryan. I played against your the team you played in college for in college. I played against Frostburg State in that field actually, and so uh, I'll be down there for the game, Ryan. Have you decided if you're going to be uh, driving down for the game or not yet, or? It's, it's tentative. We should Still know in, in a the air. Couple, yeah, by tonight, we'll probably know. Well, time. I'll be there for it. But uh, this is an intriguing matchup, Ryan, and we'll have plenty to talk about as we dive into it. But I really want to start off with the statistical breakdown.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: We're going to begin with the matchup of the Notre Dame offense against the Navy defense, Ryan. And this is a, this is an area where it's good on good and bad on bad. I mean, that's just kind of what the reality of what it is. Notre Dame's offense. You look at Notre Dame's rush offense, Ryan, and it is really amazing to see what they've been able to do the last five games. Mm-hmm. Even with a a a game against Stanford, where the yard the, the line played well, but the running game wasn't overly productive because they only had 150 yards for a host of reasons. But they ran for over 200 yards in five of their last six games. For context purposes, last year Notre Dame only ran for over 200 yards three times all season. They have five such performances in in just through nine games this season. And they've jumped their they've jumped their yards per game up quite a bit. If you look at some of the stacking up numbers uh, for this football team, so if you, for example, if you kind of talk about where they were uh, going into the, the was it the what was the first game they had 200 yards? It was against North Carolina, right? Yeah, uh, they were. I mean, averaging less than I'm actually pulling it up now. They were averaging uh, 117 rushing yards per game after that was after three games they were only averaging 117 yards per game. And then you even look at um, the, the Stanford game. So after 200-yard games uh, in a row, then you go into the Stanford game and they're still only averaging at that time after back-to-back 200-yard games, they're only averaging them. see 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 if it'll pull up here. It's being loading a little bit slow for me today. Uh, but I think they were only averaging 100 in the 140s at that particular time, Ryan. And to see them now jump all the way up to where they were 174, excuse me, after those back-to-back games. And now you look at them just three games later and they're creeping up to 200 yards per game. The evolution of this rushing attack in the last five, six weeks has really been impressive. 117 going into the North Carolina game. That was after three games. Six games later, they're now creeping up on 200 and they've been one of the, the best rushing attacks in the country here over the last six games. Here's the surprising part, Ryan. They're going against one of the best statistical rush defenses in the country in Navy. That is not something I would have predicted. In a year where there's a lot of things that have happened that I would not have predicted, this is one of them. A Navy team that's this good against the run uh, is uh, shocking to say the least. I mean, they were decent against it last year, 131 last year, but 88 yards a game is a really impressive number for Navy. And they're doing it, Ryan, with consistency. I mean, the only team that's had over 160 yards rushing on them. Actually, let me let me check that. The only the only two team only two teams have gone for over 105 yards against them on the ground. Air Force at 200 and Houston at 180. The Houston game was not good. Uh, obviously, Houston's not a great rushing team. They're 160 a game, but Air Force this year, Ryan, is averaging 324 yards a game. Held them over 120 yards below their season average, and if you look at the rest of their production this year. 13 yards, 91 yards, 25 yards, 20 yards, 55 yards, 103 yards and 105 yards. And you're looking at the yards per carry too, 0.5, 2.8, 3.7, 4.3, 1.4, 5.0, 5.3 1.0 2.8. So you can't really use the whole, well, they're just not giving up yards because they're not on the field very much. Nope, they're not they're, they're every metric that they have defensively when it comes to the run game, Grades out very, very high from a production or lack of production for the other team standpoint.
3: Well, and you look at that tackle for loss number, Brian. I mean, they're forty seventh in college football with forty seven with um, fifty six tackles for loss. Excuse me, it's not a crazy number, right? So that tells me that they are have been an efficient team as well, mm-hmm. stopping the run. Like they're not. It's not like they're getting a bunch of negative runs and then they're getting gashed, right? Like they're consistently making plays at or near the line of scrimmage. Like they are in three point two yards a. Ga- I mean. You know, what's funny is these numbers are almost mirror image to what Clemson did, you know, coming into the game last week. And obviously, you know, different level of competition and all that type of stuff. But I mean, Navy has surprisingly done incredibly well at, at stopping the run. And it wasn't something that I was actually expecting going into this week because, you know, it's just a I think it's a. I think it's a uh, little bit of a misconception that I, my mind jumps to that like Navy is probably bad at, at stopping the run, but they are a well-coached team right. in the front seven. They're a well-coached team in, in being gap sound in the run game. And Notre Dame has a challenge. Should Notre Dame be able yeah. to run the football on that? Oh yes. There's no doubt about yes. it, but yes, that's what we'll say is that Navy is not going to come in with, without a inkling of possibility of stopping right. it, right? Like they are going to come in and say, Hey, you have a great rushing attack. Wave a great rush defense. Let's yeah. go to work, man. Let's have a battle at it, you know? I mean, so you're playing against a good unit, a good run-stopping defense. Notre Dame has to exert their exert their will on them this week in the run game. They have to be ready for the challenge because Navy is, again, you're in Baltimore. You're away from home. Navy's going to come in this one with some juice going, right? Like, oh, wow, we're going to give the shot at a team that just humiliated Clemson on national television. Like, let's, let's give it a go here, man. So – it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup and one that I'm very intrigued to watch how it kind of plays out in this
1: one. Like, is this a thing where we're talking about, oh, Navy should shut down? No, no, no. We're not saying that. But no what way. I am saying is if Notre, Dame, if Notre Dame runs the ball effectively this week, and number one, you hope that the Notre Dame players have a healthy respect for Navy and you hope that the Notre Dame coaches have a healthy respect for Navy's defense. Because, again, if you don't, they can limit you, right? I mean, they, they can. We've seen it happen to this Notre Dame team before. Uh, if they run successfully against Notre Dame against Navy, the reason this matters is because you have to respect how, how quality of a performance it is. So if Notre Dame does go out and pound out over 200 yards again this week, then you have to look at and say, well, you know hey, that was a that was a pretty good performance. It was a pretty good performance uh, by the team. And yes, the rank for the Notre Dame yards per attempt is 49th, not 4.9, so that's apologies on on, on my behalf. But when you look at Notre Dame and, and you kind of look at what they've done, in recent games, I think it gives a little bit more, even more context to where Notre Dame is. And obviously right now uh, you look at the Irish, they rank 28th in yards, but I think we can all say confidently say that this team is, is certainly a much better team consistently week after week after week. And we've seen it now really for six straight weeks where the offensive line has really played at a high level where we can kind of ignore the first not ignore but but kind of chalk the first three games up as this is a football team that's still finding its way with a new coach so but if you look at the last six games alone and you just look at where Notre Dame is in the last six games and project that where they would be they're at 233.8 yards per game Ryan which would rank them 10th in the country and it would rank them 10th in the country behind three teams that I know of that run the triple option I don't know if like Georgia State does I'm not sure if they do uh, okay. But I, I do know that that Air Force Army and UCF or I mean uh, Navy do mm-hmm. so you talk about Notre Dame ranking tenth in the country seventh among non triple option teams and they'd be fourth in the country amongst Power Five teams in rushing the football if you could project that over the course of the season which puts into context and they've done all that with almost no semblance of a pack pass attack for the last month so it just kind of puts into context just how good this Notre Dame rush offense is and Navy has yet to play a Power Five team that has to be taken into account too. Now that doesn't diminish that Navy's done really well against the quality competition, but let's be honest they have not faced a rushing attack like Notre Dame this year. They have not. That's what
3: that's what was the craziest thing about that Clemson game, Brian. Was not only did you run for 260 whatever yards against one of the best rush defenses in college football, you also did it without a passing game, right? Like Notre Dame literally just went, you know, we're going to we're going to run the football on you today and we're going to dominate you. And in that instance, you like the matchup of Notre Dame coming into this game. Cause like you said, they're on a roll running the football. They just dominated one of the best rushing defenses in all of college football. They have another opportunity to do it against another quality run defense, but there's no reason to think that Notre Dame can't do it. But at the end of the day, I I like what you said yesterday on the show that this gives Notre Dame, I think a little bit of like, Hey, we we need to come and play this week, right? Like this team isn't just going to hand it to us. It's not like they're just going to come up and show up and just, you know, collect their stuff and leave right afterwards, right? Like they're here to play a football game and they're going to have some confidence coming in with the, with these numbers kind of in front of them. But at the end of the day, Notre Dame has another challenge in front of them and they have to be up for the challenge
1: against Navy. Advantage Notre Dame, Ryan. I know that Navy statistically has the edge, but we try to do context in these examples. And I think Notre Dame certainly gives the edge. Here's one interesting part of Navy. Mm -hmm. They're actually a tad bigger than Syracuse. If you look at their starting lineup, they're starting defense now they're a three-four. They're sort of a three-three-five team, but I I kind of think it's more three-four mm-hmm. uh, personnel-wise. It's it's kind of a three-three-five. It's kind of a three-three-five personnel-wise, but it's more of a three-four structurally, in my opinion. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Ryan? I would. But their front is actually not that small compared to past years, but it's, it's undersized, but you've got a nose guard that's six foot two fifty six. He looks almost the same as the kid that Syracuse has. I, he actually looks a little bigger to me, even though the other kid was listed as 10, 10 pounds heavier. I don't think that kid, you and I saw that kid very up close and personal. I didn't think he was 266 pounds. Probably not in my opinion, the kid at Navy looks to be accurately listed six foot two fifty six. That's Donald uh, Bernard. Jacob Busick is six four two fifty six. 256. Keep in mind that the that similar position at Syracuse is about 215, 220 pounds. And then Clay Cromwell is their defensive tackle. He's 6'3", 292. Yep. So they actually have decent size. And then, of course, they have an edge rusher uh, who's 6'2", 209. They'll bring some kids off the bench with some decent size uh, as to Ryan. But like their number two defensive end, 6'3", 251. Their number two defensive tackle, 6'2", 273. Their number two nose guard who will play a decent amount is 6'2", 273. Well, they have an edge player named Jordan Sanders that'll play who's 6'5, 227. So they're not big, but mm-hmm. they're a little bigger than Syracuse was at linebacker right. and defensive line. But it still should be uh, certainly a size advantage for Notre Dame. No question. Oh, about the, it. Similar to Syracuse. Yes,
3: I, I would agree with that. I mean, the one thing that they do well is they do play with good leverage, right? Like they're one of those teams that they understand they're undersized and. I mean, we, we came into the Syracuse game kind of thinking the same thing, right? Like these defensive linemen aren't the biggest guys in the world, but they understand their limitations. They understand their strengths. So Navy's going to come and they're going to challenge, right? And, I mean, obviously size advantage-wise, you know, you would hope <laughs> that a combination of Zeke Corral and Jared Patterson and Josh Lugg would be able to – dig out a six foot, 256 pound nose tackle, but you know, until it happens, it happens. Right. So that's that's kind
1: of the interesting conversation. And the good thing is they've, they've had to do do that recently. They did that two weeks ago. So, exactly, and that's one of the times where Zeke Carell's lack of ideal height helps, helps him a ton in (laughs) matchups like this, you know? And so that's why I've always said, I don't think Zeke's height is the issue people make it out to be. Mm-hmm. I think it helps him get under the pads of bigger defensive tackles and I think it helps him root out guys like this. So, I think it's it's his his length and height is something that I think is a little overplayed. If you want to say maybe he's not really 308, okay, we can maybe have that conversation, but I think we've seen this year that Zeke Carroll's size is not an issue for him at this point in time. doubt. Remember I said the the Notre Dame run game against the Navy pass game or or Navy run defense was good on good. Yeah. Well, this is the bad on bad matchup. The Notre Dame pass offense against the Navy pass defense. I am going to say something that I have not said in a long time. Notre Dame has the edge statistically in pass off in pass game off their offense over their opponent. This is the difference from Navy a couple years ago, a few years ago when they had a really good, a really good defense. Ryan, mm-hmm. if you go back and watch like that 2015 team, especially, they had legit low power five level athletes in the secondary. Especially mm-hmm. at corner, they don't have that this year. That's the weakness of their of their team is their secondary is just not good, and you can see it here. Now, I, here's what some people say: Well, the reason Navy's really good at, at rushing defense is because teams can't throw on them. That's only true if you look at yards.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The, the thing, and that's why the other the other metrics are important because they're very good at yards per attempt as well, without a lot of sacks. And so you can't just say it's, it's well, 88 factors into the fact that teams just don't want them. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so they'd be 105 if teams you know ran more, if they were better against the pass. They'd still be a very good rush defense for their level, right? But you look at this, as, as bad as their name has been this year, Ryan, it's still significantly greater. They hold an advantage against them in almost every statistical category with the exception of yards per game and they're one ranking spot off. So I can't believe I'm going to say it, but this is advantage Notre Dame and and honestly, Ryan, and we'll get into this more in the keys tomorrow, because this will be one of our keys to to the game. This is a week where the Notre Dame pass offense has to find something that it can hang its hat on these next two weeks, especially, but this week, especially this is a, this has to be a confidence building game for the Notre Dame pass attack for Drew Pine for the receivers. I don't want to see Michael Mayer catch 13 balls for 150 yards. I don't. I don't want to see Notre Dame run it 60 times for 290 yards against Navy. I don't. Mm -hmm. I want to see Notre Dame run the ball and be who you are. Got to be who you are. But within that, let's maybe start cranking up some of the stuff in the throwing game that you want to get going, that you know you need to get going against USC and in the postseason. Let's start getting that cranked up because this is the week where you can start to kind of build up some confidence in those areas.
3: We we have talked about get-right games in the past. Like, this is a get-right opportunity for the passing attack of Notre Dame. Like, this is it, man. Like, if it doesn't happen this week, then, folks, it's not going to happen this year. <laughs> like, it's just mm-hmm. not going to, man. I mean, this is a it's, – it's really weird to say a team that averages only 184 yards passing a game has a clear advantage in this game. But, I mean, they do. <laughs> I mean, they do. Athletically, it's not even close. I mean, they have a, a clear, clear advantage. They'll have guys open. Navy also doesn't get a ton of pressure on the quarterback. So there will be opportunities, especially if Dame is able to run the football like we know that they can. And they're going to have some clear ability to, you know, get guys open while protecting the passer. So this is the ultimate if it's not going to happen this week, it's never going to happen for you type of situation, man. Like, there's no excuse for not having a more productive passing attack. Does it have to be no. groundbreaking? No. Does it have to be record no. setting? No. It has to be better, though, for sure. Right. I mean, you can't leave this game with 90 yards passing,
1: right? Like, that is I mean, like, you, oh, Yeah, you could you well, could, you could blow Navy out with 90 passing yards. I was going to say. That I was doesn't say. make this – No, I get what you're saying, Ryan. Yeah. I'm, I'm adding to what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing sure. with you at all, I promise. Yep. I'm adding to it that, yeah, could you do that and still win by three, four touchdowns? Sure. Does that make you a better football team? No. No. It doesn't. You have to build on who you are right now. Like you said before, I mean, Notre Dame could run the ball every
3: single play during this game, and they could blow this team out. Like, they're that talented, right? Like, they could do that. They could control this game. They could control the line of scrimmage. They'll never have to throw the football. But did that make you a better team than you were coming into the football game? That's my biggest point, right? Like, there's a growth opportunity here in the passing game. I know we've talked about this in some other weeks as well, but you're going against a team that is – not only not very good technically against the pass, but also there's a big talent gap, a big talent advantage. So this
1: is an opportunity for Notre Dame to take full advantage of this matchup. right. We'll need to spend a lot of time on that matchup because it's not a pretty one. Scoring offense against the scoring defense, uh, this is where it's a little bit more evenly matched statistically. We've seen Notre Dame take a bit of a jump in red zone offense the last couple weeks Ryan, I think that's been one of the things that has helped this team. Uh, In the last few games, Notre Dame in their last two games have had nine red zone opportunities against Syracuse and Clemson, and they've scored touchdowns on seven of them, which is a a really good rate that that's kind of like right into that wheelhouse of of where you want to be to be one of the better uh, red zone teams in the country. I mean, if you if you just look at like the rate they've had the last two weeks, Ryan, and you put it out over the course of the entire season, They're tied for seventh in red zone touchdown rate. That's how good they've been the last two weeks, right? So I think content – I just thought a number, 77.8%, and you're probably like, okay, well, what does that mean? right? Well, that would tie them with Eastern Michigan for seventh in the country if you expanded that over the course of the entire season. They'd be behind Charlotte, Mississippi State, Ohio State, Maryland, Penn State, North Carolina, and they'd be tied for seventh with uh, Eastern, Eastern Michigan at that point in time, ahead of Tennessee, ahead of USC. Now, if you look at the last three games and you expand it out a little bit more, they had some missed opportunities against um, against uh, UNLV, as we talked about that week. But even then, they're 12-17, of 17, which puts them at 70.6, which still has them uh, 24th in the country. So they're definitely trending in a better direction when it comes to putting the ball in the end zone. The problem still is, Ryan, they're just not getting enough red zone opportunities because they're still not moving the ball with the kind of, consistency you need you know all those numbers we said are are, are are good and everything but when you look at Notre Dame's red zone opportunities they rank 60th in the country mm-hmm. now the context to that is well you know you could say well some teams you know rank lower in red zone offense because red zone opportunities because they score big plays a lot that's sure but you'd have to be one heck of a big play team to, to be 60th in the country in red zone opportunities and have a, a, a good office. They just don't get the ball in the red zone enough. That has to change against Navy. Now, Navy's red zone defense has been really good. Mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, that that number right there, Ryan, 13 to 29, uh, that number surprised me. Navy's not letting people get into the red zone a whole lot. And the reason for that is, if you look up there at that yards per play average, 112th. That's going to be a key for me this week, Ryan. We're going to talk about that tomorrow in our keys to the game is the big plays. But Notre Dame will get into the red zone. Mm-hmm. They've got to get continue to punch it in and get six. And obviously the ground game is going to be a piece of that. But this is the week where I'd like to really see them maybe take a couple looks at some things that they like in the red zone pass game-wise. Uh, and, and, and not just Michael Mayer only. Fine, if you want to use Michael Mayer, that's cool. He better be a red zone weapon. But – in, in these kind of situations, I wouldn't mind saying, "Hey, let's let's give Deion Cole's or Tobias Merriweather a fade into the end zone on on the 14 yard line this week." You know, let's let's do something like that to to try to see if we can get that part of our game going as well. Because if you can add that as a weapon in the red zone, Ryan, it makes Audric Estime and Logan Diggs and you know the run game even more effective once you get inside the 15 yard line. This is the
3: most maddening thing that I'm going to say all day, Brian, and it's really sad. The fact that twenty nine point one points per game is starting to make me happy, considering we were at like twenty two for like four straight weeks. (laughs) Like it was just it it doesn't really make
1: me happier though, Ryan, because if you look at it, a lot of that's coming from non offensive parts of the team. I mean, they have scored three non offensive touchdowns in the last two games, and so it just it I get what you're saying, I do, but it's kind of like it's that glimmer of hope kind of thing. But look, the reality is, if if you If you take out just the direct touchdowns, like the touchdowns that the defense actually got, they're only at 26.8. And that's just the last two games. That doesn't include other scores they've gotten. And it also doesn't include, for example, uh, the drive against Syracuse where they got the ball uh, at the two-yard line. I mean, I still even counted that for the defense or the offense. If you take that out, you know, this is still a team that's only averaging 26 points per game, way below where they need to be. This is a game where you try to get right against a Navy team that's little, you know, going to control the. You're going to have limited possessions in this game. You probably, I mean, if No Name's Defense eats Navy up, then maybe they do have eight to 10 possessions. But, you know, usually looking like six to eight against this team. Got to be very efficient with the football. And when you get your chance to get seven, you got to get seven. I mean, and that's going to be a big key. And of course, the part of that comes with protecting the football. Navy's been a decent turnover team this year on defense. That's been one of their few saving graces is they they actually have a decent, you know, rank 30, was it 36th in turnovers gained. That's obviously a, a positive for them.
3: And, and but, it looks uh, like, because if I remember correctly, they've only intercepted six passes. So that means they've recovered nine
1: fumbles, right. which is very optu-
3: opportunistic. Yes. You see
1: right there, Ryan, they've given up 20 touchdown passes, but they've given up six, they've picked off six passes. So to your point, oh. nine fumbles. And that means they're putting the ball, they're, they're forcing the ball to get put on the ground. That are they they have the best luck in the world. I mean, teams don't lose nine fumbles against you if they're just it, undisciplined and dropping the ball. It means you're doing things to create those mistakes, and that's going to be a key for Notre Dame team that going in the last couple day games uh, is going to be you know has been an issue at times. We we had one question, Ryan, from Lucas Deason. Will Notre Dame need to pass against Navy though? Yeah, and that's kind of our point is. It, depends on what you refer to by need. Do they need to in regard to beat Navy? No, but this is not a game that's just about beating Navy. That's not how, to me, that's not how coaching works. Like we got something we know we're going to need to do down the road against USC that we're not doing right now. This is one of those games you start to introduce that. So by the time you get to USC, it's not the first time that you've really worked on it, trying to get good at it. Yeah. So do they need it to beat Navy? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they need to do it to make themselves a better football team? Absolutely. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Without a question. Ryan, let's go to the matchup of the Notre Dame defense against the Navy offense. This is going to be a very intriguing matchup. Navy is running for a lot of yards, nationally speaking, but they're well behind where they used to be. And if you look at the other metrics of it, you can see that they're not a really good rushing attack. Now, to make matters worse, their starting quarterback, Ty Lavate. Uh, is not going to play. He is going to miss. He's out for the year, so they're going to be playing with their backup quarterback, who has been um, Xavier Ar- Arline, who's uh, actually kind of decent runner. Ryan, I mean, he's actually had some pretty good production. He's coming off of of twelve uh, carries for eighty seven yards against Cincinnati. I will say this: he's not as he's not as I would say masterful with the option as the starter was, but I'd say he's a better, he's a more dynamic athlete. Than sure. the starter was, so I think he presents a little bit more option, you know, opportunities that way. And he's he's going to be making, I believe, his third start in a row mm-hmm. against Notre Dame. So, you know, that should help him. But if you look at his last three games, he was thrust into the lineup. I believe that Ty got hurt against Houston, if I remember correctly, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And and that kid was thrust into the game then. So he's basically played two and a half games, but he's run for two hundred seventy-two yards in his last three games. Uh, he's ran for one hundred and forty-one in his last two games. That puts you on pace for over 800 yards in a regular season. That's that's good production from the Navy quarterback. Not great production, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know, so you, you look at that and you say, okay, they're going to run the ball. They're going to they're going to try to get their numbers. But this is not the kind of team you look at, Ryan, and say they don't present you with the same dangers that they've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're and I think a big problem is they're not real great at at, at running back. But the bigger problem their fullback production leaves a lot to be desired. Their yeah. starting fullback Anton Hall averages 3.3 uh, yards per carry. Their other fullback Daba Fafano averages let's see here where did he go? I just had him there. Where did I put uh, him? Let's, let's see here. Their other fullback, let's see here, uh Logan Point is also in that mix. He is at 138 yards per yards in the season 4.2 yards per carry. They do they're just not a real Ryan, they're just not a real um, great rushing team. I'm sorry. Daba is a slot back, or he's their fullback. He averages three. He's their starting fullback. Excuse me. Um, uh, He averages 3.6 yards per carry. He's their leading rusher, but 3.6 yards per carry. We were talking the other day about that really good 2015 team uh, that they had, and their starting fullback that year, uh, Chris Wayne, was a 4.9 yards per carry. But if you remember, they had that little bowling ball behind him, Quentin Ezel, he was their number two fullback, and he ran for 5.1 yards per carry. So that's where they like to be. I mean, that's where you want your fullbacks to be. If you go back to the 09, remember the 09 team that beat Notre Dame, uh Vince Murray was their starting fullback. He was at 5.3 yards per carry. And if you remember this name, Alexander Teach, he was the guy that ripped Notre Dame up. He went fire. for 5.4 yards per carry. And then the next year, Teach becomes a starting – he becomes a starter in the, in the go-to guy. He was at 5.9 yards per carry. So I'm giving you context of where their fullback position is. Starter, 3.6. Backup, 3.3. The next guy, Logan Point, who's their third fullback, is 4.2. When you're only averaging 3-point-something yards per carry at fullback and your, and your quarterback is not a Ricky Dobbs or a Keenan Reynolds – Mm-hmm. Those two things then play off each other in an, in a negative way. When you when you're good at both, they play each off each other in a positive way. Being good sure. at fullback makes your quarterback better, and if your quarterback's good, it makes your fullback better. But the same thing is true on the opposite side, which is while their yards may be high, Ryan, their yards per attempt are not high. And so statistically, this is a game that Notre Dame needs to be able to to handle this attack.
3: Well, and I was going to say, Brian, the the fullback position being what it is right now or the dive back position, depending on how you want to classify it, it being what it is right now for Navy. Like that's how the whole triple option functions. Right. Like you want to then you have to give more resources to stop in the, the dive, the inside run. And then that's when, oh, wow. And then we're a guy short on the pitch outside. And that's kind of where where the success kind of kind of really sprouts from is the ability to run the ball up the middle and to have that fullback dive work. And so it's uh, not a great rushing team for in, in a vacuum, right? Like again, the volume stats kind of are misleading the ninth best rushing team in the country. But if you watch the efficiency of the, of the rush offense, just not there. I think you said something perfectly to start this conversation of there's not much dynamic ability with this rushing attack, right? Like, I mean, the slot, there's going to be a slot back always that has a high yards per carry because he's only getting, you know, a few, not a high volume of touches and he's just getting outside pitches when no one's home. But for the most part, there's not anybody that really terrifies you to break a big run, right? Like this is kind of a, like, let's hope that we get three runs in the first down off of three points up the yards of carry. Like this is what this team is this year. And that's, Notre Dame has to keep them there, but also you have to, Force them into some, some things that are going to make them uncomfortable, you know, trying to get the ball in the perimeter in different ways, trying to pass the football, maybe some early downs like those types of things. I think is how you beat this team is to make them uncomfortable. They do not want to operate that way.
1: Well, I'll give you some more context, Ryan, because the slot backs are a byproduct of how good you are at other positions right now. That doesn't mean you don't it's not good to have good slot backs. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, is the slot back production is not going to be good if you're not good at the other positions, and so you know you look at where they're at now. Ryan with their production in slot, their top slot back, uh, Mikel Haywood, is at uh, f- 6.4 yards per carry, which is fine. Uh, Vincent Terrell's at 3.3 yards per carry. Their next Daniel Jones is at is at 4.3 yards per carry. Got okay. great. not great let's put it into context the 2019 team which is the last really good navy team last navy team i believe that rushed for over 300 yards they have not been over 300 yards since 2019 think about that for navy's offense and you look at that team their slot backs that year uh you had 8.3 7.2 7.1 and 5.3 you look at 2015 the last year the 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 year they had keenan reynolds Here's their slot back production, Ryan. 10 5, 7 5, 7 2, 15 8 was what they got from their slot back production. Why? Because they were dynamic at quarterback and fullback. And so you had to really focus a lot of resources on that. And they're pitching that sucker out to why? They're just grass. You know, I think here's another thing that's hurt Navy's triple option not being able to cut on the perimeter has really hurt the perimeter part of this rushing attack. It is a lot harder to be effective on the perimeter with the pitch game when you can't cut block and put guys on the ground. That rule change has hurt the triple option. It really has. I'm glad because it's a very dangerous block anyway. It's even more dangerous in space, in my opinion, which is why I didn't like teaching it. And I actually fought the one triple option team I coached on. I fought the coach on it nonstop because I think there's better ways to do it the way that we did it. But Navy has not adjusted well to not being able to cut. I think that has impacted their their pitch game as well, and partly so, why you're seeing the slot numbers go way down in the last few years since those rules have really gone I, into effect. Man, I would, ha- I would hate being an alley runner and having to deal with cut blocks in
3: space, man. Like, mm-hmm. that is not, not fun. It is not. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, again, Brian, slot backs are the byproduct of the successful inside run because then you're a, a player short working outside and then that quarterback gets the ball out late. And to your point, you're running to grass at that point. You're not running to – you know, be a guy one on one. You are literally just running to the corner until you can't stop me. Ten and a half yards to carry that you're Malcolm Perry. That is a silly number, man. Like that is absurd. Mm-hmm. But those guys also aren't getting a ton of touches, you know, like they're the third they're like, of the triple option. That's they're, they they're like,
1: Yeah. So to your point, Ryan, like in 2015, for example, their slot, their top slot back Deshaun Romine. You remember him? He was really good, actually. Uh, he had 36 carries their number two, DeBrandon Sanders, had 42 carries. And the only reason Deshaun had fewer carries is because he was at 10.5 per per attempt. But DeBrandon Sanders was 42. DeMond Brown was at 32. So their slot backs as Tonio Gully, remember him? He was at 15.8. Calvin Cass was their next guy at 16 carries. He was at 8.8. But it was 36, 42, 32, 12, 16. That's what the numbers they were putting up. And so you'll rip off 10, 15, and then the occasional 50-yard gain. And the yards per attempt are going to be really high. But even if you add all of them together, it's a lot. That's over 100 touches at seven, eight, nine yards a carry. And again, but it all boils down to being good inside. If You're not good inside. You can't be good outside. And then when you add that combination of the of the blocking, you're seeing why Navy's just not nearly as efficient as they used to be when it comes to running football. Uh, up front, they're actually kind of big. If you look at them compared to the past Navy teams, their left tackle, left guard are, are 6'3, 265, and 6'3, 262. Typical size for Navy. Their center, Mertezzi, is 6'3, 315. The right guard, Joshua Pena, is 6'2, 286. And the right tackle, Kip Franklin, is 6'1, 306. So size-wise, they actually have a little bit of beef compared to, to past years. They're not as long as they've been. If you remember in 15, I think it was they had like a pair of six five offensive tackles that were like 280 each. They're really good football players. That's the other area. They're just not as good up front as they used to have been. They're just, they're just not the same program that they used to be. But they're still dangerous if you're undisciplined, and that's going to be the key for Notre Dame. Without a doubt. Let's go to the other side of the ball. This is going to be the Notre Dame. Uh, let's see here. This is actually the not the number that I wanted. Let's go here. This is the Notre Dame rush defense against the Navy. Actually, no, we're on the other side of the ball. Man, I'm, I'm having one of those days, right? Let's go to the pass game. Mm-hmm. Navy always has weird pass stats, Ryan. They're always going (laughs) to rank near the bottom of the country in yards per game. They're always going to rank near the bottom of the country in touchdowns. They're always going to rank in the bottom of the country in yard and completion percentage. They're always going to rank pretty high in yards per completion and yards per attempt. And this year is really no different. They actually have some decent pass catchers, right? It's just they don't have guys that can really throw the ball. And that's something that I think really helps them. Our line and, and Ty, neither one of them throw the ball very well. Mm-hmm. and and so there's there's that th- that's something that kills them they actually have, i i don't know if you agree with this Ryan. i actually think they have decent pass catchers like for them for Nate. Yeah. i actually yeah. have decent pass catchers this year they just uh they don't have a thumb to ball they really don't and you've got to make sure that that continues in this game Ryan. i,
3: I know there's a couple other military sc- military teams brian but i can't believe 19 yards of completion is third in, in college
1: yeah. football like that's yeah. a silly
3: silly number man i mean with, we talked about it yesterday a little bit on the show last night right it's like they're just they're running waggle and they're running a bunch of stuff that you know vertically down the seams. They're throwing the ball over your head after mm-hmm. you've kind of gotten lulled to sleep in the run game. And
1: it's it's post seams and wheels, man. That's what they that's do. It. Post that's seams it. and wheels. I mean, that's that's really what it boils down to for them. It really and their is. and their efficiency is never gonna be high either
3: because, like you said, the completion percentage is never gonna be high, and you know, the all you know, all that type of situation. So it's uh, it's this is one thing though where Notre Dame's secondary does need to be disciplined, right? Yes. Like they need to be. You need to be. You can't if you're a safety in this against this defense that's going to run the alley, you have to be a you know a, take a nice read step to make sure because you're still a pass first football player if you're in the secondary, right? So don't get too antsy. Don't get too you know hamstrung on trying to make a play in the run game because. If you do make a mistake and you do get lulled to sleep, Navy no, does have a chance to create a couple big yeah. plays. No, Notre Dame obviously has the better talent outside, inside, everywhere from a passing game perspective, but they need to be c- consistent in their approach against the triple option because this is where you know one bad step, one false step, and then that's where a big play
1: happens. Absolutely. Ryan, just to uh, follow up on your comment earlier, the Navy is number three. The number one team in the country in yards per completion is Air Force at 22.3. Okay. <laughs> number two is Army at 22.0. So, yes. Nice. And then the next closest, Navy's at 19. The next closest is North North Texas at 16.1. And the next closest after that is Tennessee at 15. So you you get away from the triple option and there's a big drop (laughs) off between, between those teams and everybody else. So it's just the nature of the offense. They're always going to be there. doesn't mean that they're dangerous because some years they have that high yard and they're just not dangerous. And that's the thing is, is if you play discipline, this Navy team is not dangerous throwing the football Mm -hmm. in past years. They have been because they've had quarterbacks and throw it over your head and receivers can go make plays like Jameer Tillman could outplay you for the football Yeah, and, you know, and and they've had some guys that were really athletic where they had some slots that could really run and get isolated on on linebackers, a team's trying to play four four, and they run a post wheel concept, and your linebackers chasing this little five foot nine kid whose feet are moving hundred miles an hour, and, and they just hit that big play on you. Cause you know, but this team, Ryan, to your point, the danger for this team is more about you not being disciplined than it is Navy necessarily beating you.
3: Yes. And that's the key. I, I mean, because Jameer Tillman was a kid that, like, if I was an NFL team, and I'm pretty sure they did, like, come into a camp, sir. Like, let's mm-hmm. see what you can kind of work with, yeah. you know what I mean? Because he's that type of talent. I mean, he's like a six four kid that could run a little bit. Yeah. The, I, I, I agree that I think Navy's got a couple decent pass catchers, but they don't have a Jameer Tillman out there, right? Like, there's no guy like that out there. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, man, this could be the difference between – having a great game defensively or having a game that you kind of just shake your head about a little bit. If you're able, if you give up a couple long plays off of the play action or off the waggle and all that type of stuff. So this yeah. is going to test Notre Dame from a discipline perspective. This is going to test Notre Dame from a just consistency perspective. And you have to be able to just kind of maintain your
1: discipline because Navy will take a shot at some yeah. point in this game. Like there's no doubt about that. Now the thing with Jameer Tillman, Ryan, the thing that hurt him is if you remember correctly, Mm-hmm. Uh, he was getting ready for the draft, and he had a lot of teams looking at him. Mm-hmm. But the the military, like right before the draft that year, changed their rule. They yeah. used to allow kids to kind of play in the NFL first it, before they serve. But then they changed the rule and you, they forced them to serve their two year. Forced them. I mean, you signed up for it. You knew. You, I mean, but they. But when you signed up, and this is why Alohi Gilman left, because when Alohi signed up, they had a rule that if you were able to play in a professional sport, you could delay your service. To the mm-hmm. military academy and uh, to the, to the military, I should say, not the academy. Well, then they changed that rule in the Gilman's first year. And he's like, I didn't sign up for that. I signed up with this, knowing that I would serve my country, but I'd get this opportunity. Cause I don't have that window, right? If I go serve and I, no, one's going to want me in two to five years. You know what I mean? Right, right. And so uh, that's what hurt Jameer Tillman was that. So uh, uh, disappointing. I think obviously was, was for- when that decision was made.
3: Fortunately, they. I think they did reverse that
1: rule, so yeah, now eventually. guys can have yeah. that opportunity. Luckily. Yeah. So. Yep, absolutely. And then last, Ryan is the scoring offense against the score the Navy scoring defense, or the Navy scoring offense against the Notre Dame scoring defense. And in most of these areas, Notre Dame dominates. Notre Dame is twenty seventh in the country in scoring defense, and when you consider how bad their offense has been, and you consider the fact that they've played some really good scoring offenses this year. Notre Dame's pretty good. I, I I believe Notre Dame has still held held every single team they've played this year under their season scoring average, and 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 when you look at when they played, it was at least by a touchdown. I think in all but one game, I believe probably
3: the Marshall game. Right was the exception. Mm,
1: well, if you only count the 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 points that Marshall scored on offense, it was mm-hmm. it was that was like eight. It was actually the Cow yeah. game at the time. Gotcha. Was was I believe the one, but you know a couple of those teams have had some games since then that dragged their numbers down a little bit. But um, they have held every team that they've played this year under their scoring average. So if that continues against Navy, then you're going to see a pretty big, pretty big drop off when you look at the, uh, the, what the kind of numbers are going to produce. But they just they don't move the ball well. They don't move mm-hmm. it. They don't get a lot of yards. They don't get a lot of points. They don't get a lot of yards per play. They're not very good in the red zone. The red zone touchdown rate is the one that really shocks me right yeah, that's really low for this. That's, <laughs> yes. That this is that that's where you don't want to be against Navy, is you don't want to be in the red zone against them, uh, yep. because they're usually pretty good. Here's an example. They're at 50 percent again, context, right? They're you want know, to talk about why Navy struggles, their 50 percent rate right now, ranked 108th in the country. In 2019, the last year they were good. They were mm-hmm. second in the nation in red zone touchdown rate at 79.6. In 2015, they led the nation at 75.9. They, and then in 2009, uh, with Ricky Dobbs, they were 15th. And in 2010, uh, that next year was a 11th. So way down, way down yeah. from where they used to be. Third down mm-hmm. offense is decent, but third downs really – you know what I should have done for this one, Ryan? I should have put the mm-hmm. fourth down stats on there because sure. this is a team that like third down is just not – they're just not the same team uh, as everybody else when it comes to third down because they they will go for it on fourth down a ton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the key for you is, is you just want to try to limit those opportunities. For example, they are fourth in the country and – and or, excuse me, tied for second in the country in fourth down opportunities. Wow. and they convert over 50 they're actually a lot better on fourth down than they are third down. As you can <laughs> see they convert 41.1% of their third downs this year they're com- they're converting let me find it here Ryan actually let me see third down that's third down let me go to fourth down navy this year is tied for second in the country as a, or tied for third in the country at conversion rate on fourth down at 54.84. Wow. So yeah, they have they have converted 17 fourth downs this year. Which is tied for fourth in the total number. Texas Tech leads the nation with 42 attempts. Uh, big analytics team there, so uh, the next closest team is 31. So you got to be prepared for that. Put them in as many fourth and longs as possible it's because they'll go for it on fourth to nine at midfield. But they're usually going to throw, or you know they'll, they'll run their they'll run their outside stuff, but they'll they'll try to throw and more in those downs. And that's where you want them to be. You want them to be a throwing yep. team. There's no doubt about it. I so, love analytics. I love I analytics. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So that's the matchup between the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the Navy Midshipmen. Statistically, he starts off a really intriguing matchup, Ryan, a really good run defense against a really good rushing offense. But after that, it kind of goes way down. Yep. And yep. you see, oh, that's why Navy's 3-6. and six. Okay, it makes more sense now. Because they just don't do some of the things well that they used to do well. They don't, they don't move the chains as well. They don't put the ball in the end mm-hmm. zone as well. They, they turn the ball over a decent yeah, amount too for they their do. style. for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially the interceptions was was one that I found to be like, wow, that's. Our team that doesn't throw the ball much. You They're five. Already, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah you guys, have, yeah, you guys have thrown a decent amount of like five interceptions. Yeah, on. Let me see. What are their pass attempts on the year? Just more than maybe they are in other years because they have to have to throw. But yeah, they've thrown hundred and eight and. They, they average twelve passes a game, and they've thrown five interceptions on the season. Mm-hmm. So and Notre,
3: Notre Dame's thrown six, and they throw the ball right. obviously a lot more right. than Navy does. So well,
1: and like that, eight point three yards per attempt, which ranks in the what was it top? Uh, th- was it ranked some twenty seventh? That's still way down. I mean, they were eleven point nine in two thousand and nineteen. They were two with Will Worth in two thousand and sixteen. They were eleven point four with Keenan Reynolds. They were ten point five you know, and even Ricky Dobbs who of those guys that we just mentioned was without question, the least effective passer compared to Keenan Reynolds and Will worth. Mm -hmm. Even then they were like almost 10, you know, they were 9.9 in 2010 and 9.6 in 2009. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're really, they've really taken a step back when it comes to throwing the football and um, it's uh it's kind of disappointing to see because, you, you, I don't know, I've always kind of felt I wanted Navy to be successful other than when they played Notre Dame. Sure. But uh, it just, it, yeah, they're, they're not good. So advantage Notre Dame in all those areas, Ryan. That's going to do it for this portion of the podcast. We will do a quick mailbag next. We do have some questions I want to get to. Uh, not a lot, so if you have some more, you can put them in now. Uh, but uh, we're going to try to knock out as many as possible. But before we head to the mailbag, I would appreciate it if you all would do us a favor and hit that Like button hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. We had somebody earlier ask Ryan uh, how they can buy where Henry, the hard Ace says, where can I purchase IB gear? Well, if you're listening to this uh, on YouTube or watch should say watching and, or listening to this on YouTube, there's a link below to the Irish breakdown store. Uh, If you are listening via podcast, obviously you'll have to, I'll give you the address now. But if you're an Irish Breakdown member of the message board, you can obviously go to the site. And at the very top, uh, there's, a, there's a section called IB Store. Just click on that. It'll take you right there. If you're not on the message board, go to ibstore.irishbreakdown.com. IB meaning Irish Breakdown. So ibstore.irishbreakdown.com. So, Ryan, it is mailbag time. Let's get to some of these mailbag questions. D. Trollhunter says, back to the topic at hand. Brian, who are the Navy game wreckers this year? Usually defensively, they have a few good impact players. There's no Andre Carter for this team, Ryan, who is the star from Army. Uh, But let's talk about some of the kids. Like I said, the front seven, Navy has some quality football players. I don't know, Ryan, if I would say I'll give my two cents and then you give yours. Okay. I think John Marshall's a pretty good football player, and I like Jacob Busick. But even then, I don't know if I'd call any of those guys game wreckers. But just production-wise alone, John Marshall, who's their star, that's literally yeah. his position. Uh, not star player, but that's literally his position. Uh, he's yeah. the guy that production-wise is the guy you have to be careful for. He's ten, double-digit tackles for loss. I mean, he's a guy that can can make some plays in the backfield. Yeah, and he's a he's like he looks kind of like a safety,
3: but again, he's kind of that star position. So he's playing a lot of overhang, yeah. playing in space. Where's number one for yeah. them? And he Six is the guy. Yeah.
1: yeah,
3: he's that guy that can do a little bit of everything. He's a pretty productive player around the football. I, don't, I wouldn't call my game record by any stretch, but I mean, he is clearly like pretty substantially their
1: best defensive player, in my opinion. Agree, agree. Their D line is not bad. I mean, it, it really isn't. I mean, for again, for their oh, level. Yes. I am just yep. I'm not talking about the matchup against Notre Dame now at all. But mm-hmm. you know, but you look at their Bernard Kidd, he's got four and a half tackles for loss as a nose guard. Mm-hmm. We talked about Busick's got six and a half tackles for loss, the other D tackles got four and a half tackles for loss. I mean, that's you know, that's let's see, let's try to, 10, 14, 15 tackles for loss from a defense that their their down linemen don't often do that. Right. You know, they're all down linemen are usually just gap eaters. Their kids actually do a little bit of production. They do a little bit more penetrating this year with them than they have in the past. But you know, like you said, their their linebackers are when their defense is really good. Their linebackers outside and inside are really good players. And yeah. um, they they lost their game record from last year.
3: They had the Diego Fago kid, yeah. who was a really good football player. Yep. But to your and point, they don't like have, they don't have-
1: ever. I know, man. It really did well, seem like he was gonna feel like sipping. To, seven your, to years. your point, Ryan, he had three straight years as an he was an inside backer, correct? Yeah. Yes. As yep. an inside linebacker, he had three straight years with double digit tackles for loss. It's a good player. That's man. really good. That's yep. really good for an inside linebacker. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. Next question from Notre Dame 2164. Some people are just trying to get me today, Ryan. My guy, Notre Dame 2164, he's one of the OGs at Irish Breakdown, so I'm going to let him slide on this one. So, Brian, what should Notre Dame's plan be on Saturday, Seeing how the triple option is unbeatable? Um, we'll we'll do a deeper dive into this tomorrow night. Uh, Jesse Stiers and I are going to do a little bit of a deep dive into the triple option and, and break down kind of some of the things that they do tomorrow night. But honestly, it's just about having a plan that accounts for the fullback and quarterback, and then being disciplined on the perimeter. It really is. It's you know a lot of people will read and react the triple option. I don't love a read and react against triple option. I think you you can be too aggressive against it, Ryan. So like when I say being aggressive, I don't mean like everybody blitz and you send because that's when they pitch it outside of you and you or, or you miss the fullback dive and one guy m- hits the gap wrong and it's there's nobody there and he's gone. Right. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is come off, fire off the ball. Don't let their lineman get to the second level. Attack yeah. the dive. Attack the you know the quarterback. Atta- and, attack the right. quarterback.
3: Don't slow play the pitch right. like that right. type of thing. Make yeah. him
1: declare now. So attack inside, f- feather outside, right? Like yeah. where you want to string things along is on the perimeter. You don't want to let them string the option around. Now, there are certain looks where I do like that. When they're doing like the speed option or things like that, that's when you do kind of want to play inside out and push it to the sideline. But the pure veer, you want to attack that now. You really want to attack that now. When they're doing those type of things, you want to attack it. When it, when they're trying to do the perimeter stuff, because they'll do some speed option, they'll do some you know things where they do a quick dive and then they want to get kind of going. I'm okay stringing that stuff out, Ryan. But when it comes to the dive, The biggest thing is make him decide to, to give the fullback dive or pull now. Yeah. Right now. And and I also say it's assignment sound stuff,
3: right? I mean, one interesting thing about Navy this year, Brian is like, it's not just your traditional, like, you know, double wing triple option, right? Like they run a lot of, single wing stuff they'll even run some wham stuff off of the of the single wing look where I'm like what the heck is that I've never seen that before but they're they're going to do some stuff that's going to try to make you guess wrong or make you confused but at the end of the day it's hey who's your guy that has the dive who's your guy that has the quarterback who's your guy that has the pitch what is your assignment stay true to your assignments that's the biggest thing with this option offense and that isn't even just a triple option offense any option offense in general Assignment sound. What's your responsibility? What's your responsibility? Be true to your key. If you're able to do that,
1: then you'll be all right. Next question, Ryan, is from Charles Drury. Question for Ryan Roberts Do you think SMA can hit a thousand yards this season?
3: He's at what, six, six 62.
1: 662
3: yep. with three regular season games left and mm-hmm. then a bowl game, right? So four mm-hmm. games. To get three hundred and thirty something yards, I mean, yes, yeah, there's no
1: doubt. I mean, if
3: what's that eighty yards a game or so somewhere? Well, if you just
1: if you just look at the regular season, Ryan, and just look at the regular season and say uh, what is his need? He only needs one hundred and twelve point seven yards per game in the regular season to get to that, get to a thousand in the regular season. It's eighty four point five for the for the whole season, like for if you include the bowl game, and then if you look at Logan Diggs who has five hundred and forty five yards in one less game, Logan Diggs needs one hundred fifty one point seven to get to a thousand in the regular season. If you look at Logan Diggs for the course of the season, he only needs one hundred thirteen point eight in the next four four games. So it's wild. It's not inconceivable that Notre Dame has two guys with a thousand yards this year. And Chris Tyrese sitting there at three forty eight. Yeah, Like, you could conceivably have 2,000-yard rushers and a guy over 500 yards this year for Notre Dame. Right. You know know what
3: I'm so mad about, man, is that you remember one of my big uh, hot-take predictions in the preseason was that there would be four guys to go over 500-plus yards for Notre Dame. Of course, it's not going to happen now (laughs) because Tyler Buckner got hurt. Right, right. 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 (sighs)
1: Because if Buckner wasn't hurt, you'd have, like, a 1,000-yard guy, a 700-yard guy, a 500-yard guy, and then Buckner. Exactly, you know, kind of what you'd be looking exactly. at. So yeah, but
3: I mean, it, I'll say this though: it is wild that Notre Dame has opportunity to potentially have two thousand yard rushes on the season with how poorly the season started after the first two games. One hundred and seventeen
1: rushing yards per game after three games. It's a- absurd, man! Yeah. Absurd. It really is impressive what they've done. It really is impressive what they've done in the last six games. So they just got to keep that rolling because they're going to need that success moving forward. All right. The next question that we have here, Ryan, is from Brent Smith. I'm a little concerned about all these programs still trying to flip uh, so many of our 2023 class. I, I can I can I speak to this real quick, Ryan, and then you can spe- address the specific players? Of course, we have we have questions about it. Yep. I think Notre Dame fans need to reset their minds. If the best teams in the country or good teams are not trying to flip your commits, that's a problem. It means nobody wants your players. Because nobody's going to be – fr- I don't care if Notre Dame – if Notre Dame was undefeated right now and went out and won the national championship, teams would still try to flip their players. They would. Now, they may not be do so successfully, but they're still going to try. If teams aren't trying to flip your players, or then then you don't have the players that people want. If, if BC or Indiana are trying to flip your players, then you probably don't have very good players, right? It's a good thing. And I think that people are also – Ryan falling victim to clickbait, if I'm being honest. And we'll have a lot more to say about that on signing day. But here's the, p- Braylon James, we addressed this. There was a, a literally a published article from one of the major recruiting services last week talking about how Braylon James is a flip candidate at TCU. And when we can we can you know talk to people that are very connected to him who would know, they not only said it's incorrect, they said, that person's a liar. That's not our words. It's not our words. That's their words. Yeah. Right. You know, um, Jaden Greathouse visiting Texas. It's another one that people mm-hmm. are, I think making a lot more out of than mm-hmm. is there. I, K, K, Dylan Edwards to Kansas state. I mean, look, that's the one that I, I I'm told there's nothing to worry about, but anytime your dad was a really good player to school and it's right there, you get concerned, but I mean, you look at his social media action, Ryan, I mean, uh, you know, and then, of course, the last one, and I'll let you address this one, Ryan, is, is Peyton Ball. Yep. But you can talk about Peyton, you can talk about the others. But honestly, y'all, this is why you need to be on the message board, because we will shoot you straight. If there's mm-hmm. a reason to be worried, we'll tell you. We will. Yep. Yep. Uh, and we're not going to give you clickbait because it's a premium board. We don't get paid for clicks. Mm-hmm. And if, if we're putting out hot takes that constantly proved to be wrong, then people are going to rightly lose faith in us and not want to subscribe. It yep. does. It does us no good to put out stuff that's not accurate we need it even more than others because we don't put it out in free articles where we can make some money off of it. We put it behind a paywall for a reason. So I just want to keep, I just want to remind you all of that. Stop reading the clickbait because 99% of it's just bullcrap. Did we share the Jeremiah love story yet on this platform, Ryan? I don't think
3: so. I don't think so. so. Here's an
1: example. Yeah. On three did a story about Jeremiah love. And I believe they said he's, They're they're hearing that he's leaning towards Texas A&M, correct? Yes. And then another 24-7 sports writer wrote that he was hearing from his Texas people a very similar thing. Here's what y'all need to know. He had already committed to Notre Dame, and him and his dad were already talking to Ryan about doing the commitment video with us. So people are on our board freaking out, and we're like, just calm down, don't worry. Now, we're not going to tell you he's committed because that's not our news to break. But that's mm-hmm. how absurd this stuff is where it's like, wait a minute. You're saying that you're hearing he's leaning towards AM when literally five days ago he already committed to Notre Dame and is talking to us at the at that moment. That very day, Ryan, his dad and Jeremiah had a we're, were starting to put together the plans of the commitment video that we eventually did with him. Yep. Like That's how absurd this stuff is getting. And that's what we try to tell you all stick with us and, and you'll get you'll get. You'll get honest information from us.
3: I, I literally had done a the the one on one interview with Jeremiah yes, when that's I, right.
1: that thing had came already out. recorded like, a video about him talking about being committed in her name when those articles came out.
3: Man, it's it's so frustrating. And like I mean, we could take every one of those for a large, large like different vantage points, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we'll talk about the Peyton Bowen stuff, you know, if and when he signs with Notre Dame, because right. there's been a lot of misinformation about that one specifically. Mm-hmm. The Jaden Greathouse one, there's been a lot of misinformation with that one. And then Jeremiah Love, the Braylon James one made me laugh, Brian. Like, literally, yeah. I called you and I was just, like, laughing, dude. I'm like, what Like, what are people talking about? Like, why are we right. doing this? I don't. I literally joked in the chat, I'm like, oh, your Brendan Vernon's going to decommit? Like, it's just such right. a... And saying that out BS. of absurdity because yes. Brandon Vernon's not going that's, anywhere. That, that's like the him and Drake Bowen are like the two guys in the class that are like, if you told me that they're decommitting, I'd be like, you're lying to me. Like, that's not true. Right. It's just not, right? right? So, yeah, I was saying it out of absurdity because, like, at what point are we going to stop making that clickbait about guys right. that are just
1: completely right. committed? And we had to a debate. comment, you know, well, Peyton says this and Peyton says that. Well, first of all, a lot of that stuff is <laughs> – We've explained to you if you're on the message board, you know why he's doing that. The, the mm-hmm. reality is, some people just don't want to believe us, right? And I, I understand that. That's fine. But mm-hmm. we'll find out on signing day about Peyton Bowen. But like a lot of this other stuff, guys, it's just, it's just, it's nonsense. And I'm yeah. going to have a lot to say about that when, when signing day comes. A lot to say about that. But, uh, yeah. you know, the Jeremiah Love thing was just so atrociously bad. It's just like, are you guys serious? It was even worse than the Braylon James one, you know, because it's just um, –
3: See, Brian, I mean, Brian, it it was like situationally, but like when the Braylon James thing came out, I was like, so the kid that didn't want to stay in Texas is now going to stay in Texas?
1: Like what are we – Right. Right. And I think some people are just being dishonest, but I think that the reality is, is there's a lot of younger people covering this sport now. Mm-hmm. that don't have the same respect for uh, integrity, but also mm-hmm. more so, Ryan, they're just being used, mm-hmm. right? Like we've had people ask us to put stuff out and we'll do what, we, but we only do it if it's like we can confirm it from other people because that's just, we're not, we, we don't work for the school. We don't work for the recruits. We don't work for them. We're, we're going to give honest, honest feedback and I wish there were more people like that. And there are yeah. some. There are some there are definitely some, yeah. uh, but there's just, and when we talk about other sites, we're talking about the national stuff. We're not talking about, we're yeah, not NBA. talking about two, four, seven. We're not talking about Mike singer. We're not talking about those guys. We're not, we're not, I'm not taking shots at them because I don't, I don't, you know, I, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But when it comes to the national stuff and the people that cover other teams, that's what we're referring to. The that's the stuff that we're like, this is just BS, just absolute mm-hmm. BS. And then where the Notre Dame guys kind of fall victim to that is those, they work in the same network of those people. And then they'll say, Hey, no, 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 we're, we've got this on good authority. And then they'll go put stuff out. And it's like, you know, they now look bad because they were told by someone else that this is what we're hearing. And when in reality it was, it was, they didn't tell them, well, this is just what the coaches told us. We didn't hear You know right. what I mean? Or, or, you know, and knowing that the coaches are, are just making crap up. So anyway, that's, that's my rant on that for today. <laughs> so, Anyway, my thing on Peyton Bowen: is If Peyton Bowen didn't want to come to Notre Dame, why are we sitting here on November 9th and he still committed Notre name Why didn't he just leave when Keon left? Right? I mean, when, he's when a were, bigger he's a bigger nil target if he's a free agent. Yep. Yeah, than if he's committed and, Notre
3: Dame. And when not wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been a lot easier to leave if you lost to Marshall or when if you lost to Stanford or some of those situations, right? Like it could have been a lot easier to leave. But it's just, the longer it strings out, the more I'm just like i think this proves that he's solid right like why would right. he leave right now otherwise right so and if he's going
1: to visit during the season he picked the right game to come to sure, sure did stuff. sure did. we did have a super chat from nick peace Says popping in to spread some love on my birthday so nick comes in on his birthday and gives us money that is great nick thank you very very much and happy birthday man how you know curious how old you are but uh I see your your beard there. You don't have as much white and gray in yours as I do mine, so it looks like you're a young buck. But uh, happy birthday, man, and thank you for spending part of your birthday with us. We really, really appreciate that. It's my niece Layla's birthday today as well, Ryan. So Nick shares cool. a birthday with my niece Layla. I think she's about to be a teenager. She's getting close to being a teenager. I hope she's not happy. already. That's going to make me want to cry. Happy birthday, Nick and Layla. Asked. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: It's only a kick
1: Next one from Archer against Navy. Do you even need corners? Just play a bunch of linebackers and safeties, load the box and make them throw. He's being sarcastic here, but look, I actually think corners are a very important piece to this, right? In all seriousness, like Archer's just messing around. If you can put your corners on an Island and have them just shut down the run, the pass game. But then also if they can be good against like the perimeter run game is going to be just as important from the corners this week as it was last week. Yep, you know, and and but you've got to still be able to cover the, the wheels, you got to still be able to cover the posts, you've still got to be able to cover the deep ends, the drags, the or the digs and stuff like that that they're gonna run. So uh, it's actually a very important position, in my opinion.
3: Well, and I think that last week, Brian, I mean, it was awesome to see guys like Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart do a lot better getting off those blocks on the perimeter. Like that had been a inconsistent area during a part of the season, right? And then you saw it last game. I thought they were a lot better. Getting off, the, getting off blocks and making plays in the run game, which was great to see, especially going into this week that you're progressing in that area effectively. I mean, late to pitch, right, all the time, and that is going to be a big part of the game because that's where some of the explosives come in the running game. The, the explosives, explosives are not going to as much come from the fullback dive or from the quarterback. It's going to come from that pitch play. Like, that's where the explosive plays happen.
1: Next question, Brandon plezer says, "What about Dakota Fields, Brian from California? Notre Dame likes him, but it's gonna, it's just he's not a guy that right now they're they're really in the, the, in the mix for. He's very good, very long kid, very talented kid, but they're Super just not a, a major player for him at this point in time. Yeah, it ain't rocket science." That's not me. For those listening on the podcast, that's not me saying that. To Brandon, that's literally the name of the next person asking the question. This is Brian and Ryan. If the cowardly neutered NCA Division One Oversight Committee were to amend the NIL literature and make NIL as a recruiting enticement legal as a formality, would could this staff engage? Uh, and then he goes on to follow up that NIL question I meant from Notre Dame side of the situation. Would it remain an, an ethical decision to not offer recruits any form of NIL package pre-enrollment? I would imagine that Notre Dame would do very similar things to what they're doing now. I, do, I look, guys, Notre Dame is not going to form collectives that offer these kids million dollar contracts. They're just they're not going to do it. And if you're waiting on them to do it, then you're just going to just prepare yourself to be pissed off all the time because they're just not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And and I'm okay with that because here's the deal. you're did you hear Sean Davis, about? Did you hear the one Alabama defensive lineman who's talking about how you know this team's not the same anymore because of NIL everybody's kind of out for their own yep. thing when yep. you can when you got to buy a player you are now in a situation where you got to play him or you're gonna mm-hmm. lose him mm-hmm. that's the reality of it or and guys are gonna now much more than in the past be more worried about their themselves like well i'm not putting myself i'm not playing with that injury because i'm valuable i'm worth this amount of money i'm that i'm this the other thing when you got to and the point is it doesn't mean that guys on your team like michael Mayer is making a ton of money right now for notre dame but mm-hmm. Michael Mayer is getting that money as a byproduct of, his, of what he's doing at Notre Dame and being at Notre Dame. It's not that you had to you had to basically buy him to come, right? And that's the reality of it. Now they're going to continue to show the opportunities for these kids to make a lot of money, like six, seven figures. Notre Dame players can make six or seven figures in NIO money in their careers. There's no question about it. We've seen mm-hmm. some kind of get close to it as far as a, on an annual basis, I mean, a, you know, per season basis over time if you project it out. But like if Michael Mayer was if a three-year player, and NIL was a thing his entire career, he'd have made a ton of money before he left, right? But yep. they're not going to, Ryan, go out there and just offer kids, hey, here's a five, four-year, $2 million deal. They're just not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm okay with that, again, Ryan, because the kids that need that to come to play for you aren't coming to play for you for the right reasons. They're yeah. not. And they're, they're you know, it just, they're not. And there's plenty of kids out there. Look, y'all, you say, well, kids aren't. Kids, baseball kids turn down money all the time, Yeah, all the time to go to college and 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 play for free, knowing that it's going to improve my draft stock, but I'm willing to bet on myself. Not every kid is on the take, y'all. This has always been true. It's always been true. And kids understand now that I'm going to get my money, but I understand the value that this other place brings to me. And I understand the value of going to a place where I'm going to be happy and fit and be developed and all those other kinds of things where it's not just about who's giving me the most money, mm-hmm. you know, like that's just the reality of it. And people have to understand that and accept that and realize that there's going to be some kids. They're just not going to get because the kid wants a pot, a, a, a guaranteed contract. Samuel and Pemba wants money. Okay, fine. Then let him go somewhere. He's going to get the money and good luck to him. Right. and go recruit some kid who maybe isn't that way. And they're going to be fine. There's plenty of good players, great players that are not only interested in that. They're not. It, Brian, it's a real
3: shame. There are some functions of the on three site that I do like. Like, you know, where like the section where you can look at every recruiting ranking yeah. from all the different platforms. Yeah. And there's a lot of like the really visit cool stuff, stuff is really
1: good. You can look and see like yes. when they've gone to visits and stuff. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of good
3: stuff that they do to track, you know, just information on recruits. But the tat the, the option that they now have where they show the NIL, they're basically putting, you know, a price tag on players and saying what each person's worth. I'm just like, this is terrible man like what are we doing we're like we're turning players into objects for one for one we're putting a worth on someone's name and like that that's for a player to explore if they want to explore it that way but i think that that's just again feeding into the what the bottom line for some people are and i think it's ruining the (laughs) i do think that part's ruining the integrity man like i have no issue with people with players making money i really don't like make money off your name image and likeness but it is but they're not that's the problem yes, you're not yes you're you right. get
1: some eight million dollar contract you're not getting money because of your name you have not you have not proven yourself to be worth eight million dollars to an advertiser or a company or whatever else there's some <laughs> basketball recruits that could be that way but football sure. recruits by and large are not that way yep. you're getting that simply as an enticement to come play school there. that's not what this was supposed to be about that, that's not nil yep you're right. right yep because it, the other thing is like the kids that are getting that kind of money for basketball, they're actually getting shoe contracts, which would be exactly. good no matter where they go to school.
3: Yeah, right. Which is brand. Which is branding. It's right. not just yeah, right. Exactly.
1: Yep. And it's more of an individual sport. I mean, it's a team sport, but it's it's an individual sport. You mm-hmm. trade Carmelo Anthony for any other small forward in the country that year, and Syracuse doesn't win a national championship. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's just the reality of it. So, all right, next question. Uh KL says, do we see Fosky break the sack record this weekend? What's he one off? Is he one away or is he one and a half? I thought he may have been oh, one and a half. Yeah, well, one and a half have... to break it, I think. Let me kind of let me go look here real quick and see what because I, I know that Justin Tuck has the record. Let th- me just pull th- up the th- number here real quick. I, th- I think he's one to tie one and a half to break. I could be wrong okay. though. So let me go here. Media supplement. Let's pull this mm-hmm. up. Let's see Justin Tuck. And Justin Tuck has 24-and-a-half career sacks, mm-hmm. Isaiah Foskey. Because they, they actually, um, the Syracuse game, they credited him later with a sack that, that they didn't credit him with initially. Mm-hmm. So he is currently at 24-and-a-half. So, Ryan, that one-and-a-half you were looking at was before they added the number to him after the Syracuse game is where gotcha. that was. Gotcha. And so uh, he is currently, according to uh, C- uh, Sports Reference, he is currently at twenty four and a half. So, so he, he has, is. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're right. I was looking at tackles for loss. No, you're right, oh. Ryan. He's he's okay. at twenty two and a half right now. Sacks. I was looking at tackles for loss. That's my bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has got uh, eight and a half on the season. He had eleven and a half last year. That's nineteen and a half. Then he had four and a half. So actually, that's Sports Reference is incorrect. Actually. Hold on a second. So he had four and a half in 2019, 2020. He mm-hmm. had 11 last year, correct? And mm-hmm. he's at eight and a half this year. So it says here he's at 24. 24. So, I, I, yeah. so he needs one
3: one full sack yeah. to break it then. Yeah.
1: Yep. So I'm well, actually two, or two halves, I guess. Yeah. Two halves, I guess. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look this up because I know there's been some discrepancy about what actually his numbers are. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up, but he's getting very close now. Could he get it this game? Sure, absolutely. If the Notre Dame offense jumps all over um, Navy, they're gonna have to pass. And remember, it was a couple years ago. Like Julian Aguara had a couple like a, a couple big sacks against them, in 2018. Remember, he had a really big sack early in the game mm-hmm. against them back in 2018 uh, against Navy, and that game was in San Diego, which is a, a really cool game. So I'm so Notre Dame. Notre Dame's official stats say that Isaiah Foskey. Uh, has sacked the quarterback five and a half times in the last three games, pushing his career total to 24. He's just a half a sack mm. behind Justin Tuck. So there you that go. is where he is at. So there you go. Now it's half official. He's a, a half, half a, a sack Could I see yep. it this weekend? Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Only needs one. Yeah. <laughs> Detroit Hunter asks, he says, Brian, are we doing turkey donations part two this year? We will not be doing that this year. Uh, I just could not. I just... I had too much on my plate, y'all, you know, and I couldn't get there. I do want to start doing more stuff like that next year. I, I loved doing that, but uh, it has to be done the right way. And I was just not in a position where there's a lot more um, uh, there's a lot more um, work involved in it that I realized to do it the right way. And so we will eventually do that. I would like to do something where we do three or four things like that a year. I've I've been having some conversations. I'd like to do something like in October for breast cancer awareness. We all have moms, wives that we love. We have ladies that are part of our community. I've wanted to do things kind of in the spring to kind of, you know, just do different fundraisers. I'd love to do something at Thanksgiving and Christmas. So it's definitely a part of what we want to do. It's not a one-time thing. It's just, there was just a lot more to it last year than I realized. And we're just not in a position right now where... Uh, I could handle all that, to be honest with you. So I hope you all understand, but I promise you we will we will get back to that at some point in time in 2023. Joel Easton asks, Mailbag, Nana has been great at setting the edge of the season. Does he get a boost in snaps this week? This is a Nana week for me, Ryan. I mean, <laughs> this is a Riley Mills inside and Nana outside week. Mm-hmm. Big one for me. Big yeah, one for me.
3: For sure. And he's been playing good football, so I'm all for rewarding him
1: with playing good football, for sure. Next question from John Climack, another one of our OGs, Ryan. Mm. Uh, what do you see Golden doing differently the last couple games, if anything? It appears like the D is causing more controlled chaos lately.
3: I think they've been a whole lot more aggressive on the second level, like talking about the linebacker play. I think they're triggering them a lot more, you know, just kind of post-snap than they were – like it used to be a lot more read and react it, right now. I think there's a lot of more like just auto fills in, in the run game. I think that he's kind of letting guys be guys to a degree, right? Like I think that up front, it's just like, you know, Fosky be a dude and a couple other guys be dudes, but I think that he's mixing up coverages a little bit more. And I think second level, he's really triggering a lot more guys and creating a lot more chaos on the second level, John. Like that's kind of what I see.
1: Okay. I agree. I think Ryan nailed it. Brent Smith, how is Notre Dame's red zone defense going to improve uh, by the time they play USC? Here's how you improve it. Don't let them get in the red zone. I mean, I've got no answers, Ryan. I don't. I was excited they finally, finally made a red zone stop. No, I was going to 100- say, 100- it's not
3: 100% it. anymore. Every yeah.
1: single opponent trip into the end zone has still resulted in a touchdown. Ugh. It's just one of them was a touchdown for Notre Dame. So.
3: Uh that's
1: crazy. That's crazy to think about. I was
3: happy though that we didn't have a hundred percent on that on that yeah. label anymore of those. Well, it's a
1: hundred percent in touchdown, but it's just not always the opponent now getting touchdowns. That's true. So there you go. There you go. Uh, honestly, they are, Brand, they are they are but, all or nothing, man. But all or nothing in, in, in all seriousness, um, defensive lines got to buckle down to get more pressures and penetrations and force more negatives. They're not getting enough negatives in the red zone, mm-hmm. uh, and then the coverage has got to be better. I mean, that's the yep. thing is that they've got to do a better job in coverage in my opinion. So it's, it's, it's executing. It's, I'd say being maybe a little bit more aggressive. I'd maybe take a little bit more risks in the red zone. I don't think they take enough risks in the end zone. And I wonder if that's partly Al Golden's NFL thing. Cause like you start blitzing the NFL quarterbacks in the red zone, you're going to get ripped. You know what I mean? Like it's a different approach. And I would say in college, I'd say, you know, heat them up a little bit more, you know, force them to be more accurate in, in those situations where they have less field to work with. Ian Johnson says, when was the last time we had an offensive, defensive and special team score in the same game? Do you see that happening again this season? I have not gone through all the games, but Sean Davis and I were talking about this the other night. And the last time I remember, now there might have been a time before that, but Tennessee in 05 is the last time I remember that. So that was a game where you had Tom's, I believe it was Tennessee 05. It was either Tennessee. We were having this conversation. I believe, yes, it was Tennessee 05 because Tommy Zibikowski had a punt return for a touchdown and he picked off Eric Ainge and ran it back for a touchdown. So I'd have to go through the list and kind of go through the different years to to just really go through it. But like, just that was kind of off my head. Sean and I were talking and and Sean was like, it was the Weiss era, and I thought it was either Carolina 2016, 2006 or it was Tennessee 05. and then, then we did the research and we looked it up, and that was that was the the deal. So I don't know if it happened before then; certainly could have. I just I don't know. I'd have to go look at it, uh, but you know, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see. We'll, we'll look that up at some point in time. Will it happen again? I mean, considering it rarely happens, I doubt that it'll happen again. But would I put it past this team to get do it again? Nope, I wouldn't. Rob Didoff says, Brian and Ryan, do you feel when a team's first game of the season is the triple option, it hurts the development for the defense during training camp for when they start playing current offense? Rob, I am so happy that you said this because there are so many people that say, I want the triple option to be game one. and I'm a believer like you are that not that it hurts the development, but it could potentially hurt your development. I mean, 2012, it didn't really hurt them. I don't want to spend time in fall camp, like two weeks in fall camp preparing for the triple option. I would much rather say, if you're going to play Navy, always schedule it with a buy. That's what I would say is give them a buy, Give them an extra week to do that. Or or maybe give them a bye afterwards. I would always have some kind of buy before or after Navy. But I don't want two weeks of fall camp being spent on the triple option. I don't because then you go away from those type of things that you're trying to still build you're trying to still build your football team you know what i mean it's like you're ryan you grow your you know you're raising a daughter right there're certain things you don't do to your kid at certain ages cuz you can stunt their growth right you don't have your kid yeah. in their 3 years old powerlifting right you know what i'm saying <laughs> like you stunt their growth same thing with a team if you go away from the things that you're trying to make as your bread and butter, you can potentially run the risk of stunting your growth on other areas. Now, what I would say is if you could guarantee me that you're going to have Nave in the open and then two not good teams the next two weeks, then maybe I'd be okay with it. But I don't love I mean, remember 2012, they did not look good. They had a bye week and Purdue the next week, and they did not look good against Purdue at all mm. in 2012. So, yeah, I am not a big fan of of playing Navy in the opener at all. I mean, again, they beat Purdue 20-17, and they needed Tommy Reese to come off the bench to win that game. Oh, I remember so, that
3: game. I remember yeah, that game. It was yeah. not pretty.
1: It was not pretty. So good good observation, Rob. I'm right there with you. Brent Smith says, to improve Pine's passing game, why not feed the ball to Colsey and Merriweather on the perimeter? A simple one-step and throw in trips and trio. What say you? I mean we saw a little bit of that last week, but to Tyree, I wouldn't say just Tyree, Carol Colsey and Merriweather. I mean, I I thought that stuff was really good last week to Tyree. I'd like to see some of that stuff to Brayden Lindsay. And, but the principal Ryan of that stuff is sure that's there. That's when an RPO, that's one of the things you can do with RPOs and I think would be really effective. Yeah. I also think that
3: teams are really letting up a lot of like easy comebacks and sticks to those big guys too. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, they have massive catch radius. So Hey Drew, hit a three-step drop and then hit the easy comeback, man. Like uh, that game against Syracuse, especially Brian. Like if you remember it, Deion Colsey could have ran comebacks all day, man, right. like all day. And it's easy stuff. Like it's not hard. It's not a difficult throw. So I agree to the to the um, to the thought process. Brent is that you have to make some things easy for yourself right now in the passing game because there's a lot of stuff that just is not easy out there. So using those big bodies effectively. In the boundary to the field,
1: running some easy stuff like that. Like that's that's what we need to look at. I can't believe that we forgot about the Wisconsin game last year. Michael Campbell just from they had an offense and a uh, defense and the special team scores against Wisconsin last year. I completely forgot about that. Didn't they have two pick six?
3: They had two pick sixes against
1: but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Drew White and Jack Kaiser had pick sixes in that game.
3: Yeah. Completely yeah.
1: forgot about the Wisconsin game. It's a good call. Yeah, nice job, Michael Campbell. Good call on that one, buddy. Very well done. Mm-hmm. All right, next one we have from J.D. Barker, Cole Barker, sorry. Uh, he says, as J.D. Bertrand improved his draft draft stock? Ryan, of course, this question is for you.
3: It's an interesting question, Cole. Look, the, it's funny, going into the season, there was at least one preseason scouting service that the whole NFL uses that did have a draftable grade on J.D. Bertrand. They had a late-round grade on him. And I feel like, obviously, he didn't help himself early in the season, right? Like, getting knocked out of football games, not playing incredibly well. Like, there just wasn't a ton of film on him, and it wasn't great film early in the season. Has he improved? For sure. So, has he helped himself? For sure. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was great to begin the year. So, I think he's helped himself. I mean, regardless, I put I, my biggest overlapping point, Brian, for this one is, has he helped himself? Yes. But – The thing about J.D. is that J.D.'s – I mean, it's not like he's going to have a meteoric rise off of what he's doing right now, right? Like, there's still some limitations to his game as an NFL player. So, has he helped himself? Sure. Is it going to be dramatic or drastic? I don't think so. Just because, I I, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a six-foot linebacker with not the best length that's, you know, going to test fine, but not like an explosive athlete, right? So, I think there's just some – there's some things that are going to hold him back, but he certainly helped himself the last few weeks. There's no doubt. Agree,
1: agree. Let's see. This was a great comment from Detro Hunter. Ryan's like my powerlifting thing. Ryan's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sends text to wife to get her out of the gym, <laughs> the garage <laughs> gym. gym. <laughs> you know what, it was, Brian? <laughs> I it, it would be a great video. It would go viral if there was a video of
3: just like Jules like doing some deadlifts or something like that, or some power yeah. cleans. Like that'd be fantastic, man.
1: Yep. All right, let's go next here to TG1395. He says, if we went out, do you think we make a New Year's 6? Yes. They have a shot. I do. I the options are very play. limited this year, very limited this year, but I think they'll yeah. have a very good shot at that, yes, no doubt.
3: Because I, th- I think the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are going to kind of eat each other alive a little bit, you know? Like, you only need a couple chaotic things to get in a right.
1: decent position for it, right? right. So I think there's like two open spots, I believe, yeah. is all yeah. that there is this year, but yeah. They'll have a shot, no doubt. Coach Cox, what does a game like Clemson do for players draft stock?
3: I mean, I think it's massive, coach. Like it's it's look, we talked about this all the time. We call it a money game for a reason, right? NFL Scouts, for like Isaiah Foskey, let's use him for instance, right? Or any player, they're gonna look at the schedule that they played and they're gonna say who were the three to four best teams that they played all season. And one of those is going to be Clemson, obviously, right? So you're going to watch that game. And if a player played well, it's going to help their stock tremendously because that is going to 100% be a game that people are going to watch. How a player played against – no no shade thrown at UNLV for a second, but not a lot of NFL scouts are going to watch the Notre Dame-UNLV game. So if you played really well in that football game, sorry, it's probably not going to matter it's ton for you. But if you played well against Clemson, if you play well against USC – played well against even Syracuse right then those those games Ohio State those games help you the most so they're the money games for a reason
1: next question and we're wrapping up here uh, are there Kenny Minchie stocks are the Kenny Minchie stock Kenny Minchie talks starting again no uh, I think that ship has sailed at this point in time here's the last thing we're going to end on this because I think this would be great Nick P the birthday guy we're going to end on the birthday guy Speaking of the Wisconsin game, how much money is it going to take to get Gus Johnson to call all Notre Dame games? Here's what I'm going to say to you right now. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Like I would so love to see, like he could even make Jason Garrett part of an entertaining, you know, cause like he raises your energy level. Like, you know, you have to match it to a degree. So if you're kind of a dry guy, like Jason Garrett, you're going to have to bring a little bit more energy to the table. If he's doing it with you, you know what I mean? And so, uh, I would love to see that. I I would so enjoy watching Gus Johnson. Do listen to Gus Johnson do games. He's great. And I you know what? Like I don't love a lot of Joel Klatt's takes on like Fox Sports and things like that. He's okay. I mean, I don't dislike yeah. him. He's he's okay. He's mm-hmm. great as a color guy, I think. He is. Like he's that great. is an awesome team. Like yep. Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt to me is the best color play-by-play guys in college football. I don't think there's a better team. I don't even think it's close, in my opinion. Now, I understand some people just don't like Gus. He's too whatever. That's fine. I like, but I love I like it. Gus. I, love I like it. Gus. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I'd love to see that. And, I mean, look, if you dream team, Gus and Brady Quinn, sure, that'd be great. I'd love to see that. But just oh, as Rick, far as looking Brady, at just the, the teams that you have now, that'd love to see that. So, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. No doubt about it. So, that is going to do it for our show today, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We are going to be back uh, tonight. You have Sean and Sean Styers and Vince will have their mailbags. You're going to want to be a part of that. Tomorrow, Ryan and I'll be back. We're going to go over keys to the game. Tomorrow night at six o'clock, it's going to be me and Jesse Styers, and we're going to break down the triple option. And of course, Friday, it's going to be prediction time. It's probably going to be Sean and Ryan because I'm going to be flying out of here, getting ready to uh, head to Notre Dame's next game. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. And as always, Sign up for the Irish Breakdown message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Give us a five-star review if you're listening via podcast. we greatly appreciate it. And come back and join us next time on the Irish Breakdown podcast.